Every week, we do a Q&A with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevered, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Today, we have Danielle Umstead and we have Rob Umstead, who are a team. They are a visually impaired and guide team, three-time Paralympians, three-time medalist, bronze medalist, 53 podiums, uh, for, uh, visually impaired, MS, first ever blind contestant on Dancing with the Stars. That would be Danielle, not Rob. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for yeah. having us. Thanks for clearing that because I got no dance moves. Yeah. <laughs> we, we know, we know. I know. I think the last time you were on, I asked you how intimidating it was for you to go to weddings now that you have a professional dancer as your wife. Yeah. Yep. Thank goodness we haven't been invited to one. <laughs> well, thank goodness for Rob, that's for sure. <laughs> Maybe you haven't been going to weddings, but you have been all over getting ready for Beijing. How how are things going? I mean, this is this is one you're you're not on the U.S. team, right? At this point, yeah, we um, are not on the U.S. team. In 2018, um, right after Pyeongchang, I just had ups and downs with my multiple sclerosis, which in the end prevented us from skiing and racing 2018-2019 season, which ended up a result of us not qualifying for the team because um, I was injured. And so unfortunately we didn't make uh, that team. And then we got back on snow 2019 and we skied on our own and really enjoyed just getting back to the way we started. So we really started skiing good and um, went into some races here in Park City, Utah and really did well there and went over to Canadian nationals and um, we're skiing really well and ended up crashing and breaking my tibia and fibula and have had like three surgeries since then. So we've been on a long road, <laughs> but, um, never gearing up, gearing up lately. Gearing up. Lately. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's not like you don't have your obstacles, right? I mean, the visually impaired of it. So losing your, your central vision, your peripheral vision, having just that little bit of, of light and, and shape differentiation. Though when I did put my hand, my finger up, as we were talking earlier, you recognized that I had put one finger up. I did. I think you did. Well, because you, you, because you corresponded. So maybe, maybe it was just, it was just. Uh, I, I, I don't want to get you in trouble with any classifiers or anything. But uh, no, why did you put your finger up? <laughs> I, no, when we were when we were talking before, I forget we were talking about something and I put my finger up that there was oh, we were talking about uh you know just team members that there's one woman on the team I just put my finger up and you must have put yours up at the same time I I thought you were marrying me no so, no no not at all just I'm like she does she does hear your thoughts though I do be be scared if I start to know you really well I can hone in on what you're feeling what you're thinking you're in big trouble well, yes yeah, so which is really helpful for you guys Yes. being guide and visually impaired athlete to be able to to hear thoughts. What is that like? I've been watching the world championships and, and there's some, some visually impaired athletes that are right on top of their guide and some that are two gates out in your class, in the B2 class. So maybe yeah. first describe what the B2 class means and then, and then how you try to, you know, what the objective is between guide and athlete. Um, B2, so there's three levels of vision um, ability or classifications, but there's yeah. a, a pretty big spectrum within those classes. Within those so, classes, With yeah. the exception of B1s, because they're blacked out, goggles, no light. So they're all on the same, same page. And then <laughs> B3... I mean, I don't know the exact numbers. I just know B3s can see better than me and B1s are blacked out and I'm right in the middle. <laughs> I mean, that's basically it. I, I mean, there's so many people, like I use a cane, I use a guide dog and there's so many people in my class that don't even use a cane. And it, it's, you know, like, so there's just, there's such a wide spectrum of vision within each class and and then there's there's variables day to day you know some people see better when it's bright and some yeah. people don't see it 
hardly at all when it's bright and they do better when it's dark within our class. So, you know, like, like everything else in, in skiing, there's a lot of variables and, you know, sometimes you get lucky with those. <laughs> the unfortunate part is nobody else has another disability like I do, which I have multiple sclerosis, which affects my body and my brain and the communication between the two. <laughs> and, <I'll do. laughs> and that's too. <laughs> okay, so we, we got totally sidetracked. What, what is the objective? What are you guys trying to do guide and athlete like i mean is rob setting setting a particular line you're trying to be inside of it are you trying to to maintain a certain level of proximity what what are the objectives i mean yes to all of the above but the objectives can change on a daily basis due to if there's fresh snow on the ground if the lighting's different i mean crosswind crosswind like, like then i gotta i gotta be careful not to dump any speed on, you know, on my upwind turns. Cause that's just going to blow a big cloud in front of her. And I got to, if I got to try to reel her in, I got to do that on the other side but and blow it away. And <laughs> definitely our objective is to stay close, stay tight because the further Rob gets from me, um, the more defensive skiing I do. Like I'm, I'm very, you can tell in my skiing how defensive it is. If he gets, I mean, we're, we're not even a gate apart. We're very close and you will see in my skiing directly, if we're not close, my skiing is going to get super defensive. And I can't actually see Rob through all the turn, but I can pick him up within the turn, maybe one or two times if we're close enough. And that's enough to keep me skiing aggressively. Um, and so other people, to get back to your original question, like, you know, if you don't have central vision um, and you're right on top of your guide, you're not going to see him. So too close is sometimes doesn't work for everybody. So I think that's getting back to your question. You see a discrepancy based on the variances in people's field of vision. You know, I mean, I guess you probably remember before our time, there was somebody that their guide used to go down the side of the course and they made a rule that that wasn't allowed anymore because he didn't really need them. And he was just getting in the way. So <laughs> it varies depending on the people. There was one that I saw that, that that kind of blew me away. Chris Williamson, yep. <laughs> Switzerland, and his guide Canada, Canada. right? Canada, uh, Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was in Switzerland. The race was in Switzerland, oh, okay. Canada, yep. and there was a dog leg out of the downhill, and his guide fell coming out of the start, and Chris just kept going, like just did the whole dog leg, and the guide the guide beelined it and picked him up at the bottom of the of the dog leg and you kind of go all right well all right that might have been that might have been the creation of that rule <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome but yeah so our objective is to stay tight stay close have that communication like it's all about communication and you know um practicing the right communication even i mean we still i'm like you can't be silent for a minute. I can tell when he's thinking about something, but I need to know what's going on in the back of the bus because it's pretty freaky about that back there. If you're not telling me what's happening. And I know sometimes he's trying to get us through crowds or whatever it may be, but you can't have like just a moment of nothing. Or I'm like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> like I'm standing up. I'm not. I'm, I'm like Tom Brady. I'm reading the defenses and then I got to make split second decisions. <laughs> exactly. But unlike Tom Brady, you actually have a, a microphone and Danielle has a speaker and she has a microphone as well. Right. So you can yep, communicate back and forth. So this is this is the constant communication. Is this why they haven't allowed a, a husband and wife team to be in the visually impaired on the U.S. team? Is this is this why you guys are the first ones? <laughs> what are you getting at <laughs> i don't know i don't know it sounds like communication is a really big deal yeah but uh yeah i mean and, and then within you know our you talked about spacing and our our whole thing is you know the the timing of the turn and the turn shape kind of matching up and and if our spacing's good everything else works and when our spacing gets inconsistent then the timing's off and i you know i tell her i'm starting my turn but she's too far back to know exactly where that is and then it's it just goes, you know, that. yeah, it spirals from there. So that, that's what we work on is, you know, keeping it, keeping it tight. And, and there's days where we can't, we just are not in sync. And we, you know, we all have good days and we all have bad days. And there's those days where it's like, 
God, why can't we just ski in the same groove? And today we rocked it. It was like, oh my God, it was amazing. Which is great. And yeah. the thing is, as you said, there are different conditions. There are different yeah. lights, you know, so, so light uh, visibility can be, a, can be a problem. And what's the optimal? I mean, like, is it like two ski length kind of things? Is that where it's optimal for you guys? Or do you not even think about it in those terms? I don't, I, we don't think about it in those terms. I mean, like, at least yeah. I don't, he might. Well, I mean, just that's like two to three is probably where we want to be. And, you know, less than two is probably too close. You know, one, she, she doesn't have any central vision. So she loses me some there. And then right. sometimes she, you know, she doesn't have a lot of good depth perception. So she thinks she's going to run into me, which has never happened. But, um, you know, so then she, checks them or gives you some speed because she's worried about hitting me so i'll just see the orange and yellow all of a sudden i'll be like oh my gosh all right i'm gonna hit <laughs> yeah ray ray watkins used to say like just keep her in your pocket you know what definition of pocket varies from everybody but i think our pocket is probably two to three ski lanes but anything beyond mm -hmm. three it's i'm done you're done and that's yeah. where you stand up that's where the hips yeah. drop yeah where the, everything it's probably it's equivalent to you or i skiing into a fog bank you know like we we do the same thing We'd be like whoa <laughs> and instead of being in the front and really driving you're all of a sudden you're back on your heels going uh oh and that's kind of what happens yeah and i mean even going from like a, you know on some slopes around park city like you go from the light and it's really bright and sunny our beautiful bluebird days and all of a sudden it just goes into this dark hole <laughs> where it's just trees and there's just no sunshine hitting it treasure That's hollow you know that run at park city like sure. in the in the hollow yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> that's assist. like for me that's like hitting a brick wall like you guys uh, rob i am always like you have to have me like in your pocket so close and just like pretend I'm completely blind because it takes more than seconds for my eyes to switch over to adjust. Uh, yeah. Where it takes you guys, regular sighted people, milliseconds. And mine is like one, two, three. And I'm like, Oh God. And in the meantime, she's <laughs> nauseous. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna throw up. Well, it's snowing out by the way. It's a good Woo! There we go. What, so what can you do as techniques to, to be able to combat that, right? Because this is this is going to happen, and yeah. and yeah. and obviously, Rob, in a lot of ways, is your eye, are is your eyes, right. if I'm allowed to say that that way, uh, is your is your vision really, and and you have to have that sort of belief that it's like, okay, we're still okay. I'm not going to be able to see for three seconds, you know, which is which is sort of like. You know, I just just talked to like Brian Friedman about running Kitzbühel. And that's one of those where it gets so rough at the at the bottom that you can't really just focus. Yeah. Like your eyes don't actually focus like, and you're going <laughs> approaching 90 something miles an hour going, OK, keep it pointed in the right direction and the vision will come back. Is, is there a part of it that you do like that? Well, obviously, yes. I mean, if the communication gets a little more, he tells me you're okay, which is so settling for me, just so small words, you're okay, it's clear, you know, and he keeps me really close going into the dark and tells me when we're approaching it. If he doesn't, then it's like, come on. Yeah, so I, I kind of recognize the spots that are going to give her that feeling. And now I'm getting good at calling out, you know, shadow, that kind of thing. Because otherwise she'll be like, did, did, did a cloud just come or did the lights just go out? Am I okay? <laughs> Somebody like, I mean, yeah, I'm just why did it just get dark? Am I blacking out? Like, no, it's all good. So yeah, staying, staying close going in, you know, because the if, there's, if there's already a gap before the shadow, then it's, it's, it's bad. But if she's got something to focus into there and then I tell her it's coming and, and believe it or not, like die on a, on a speed course or a GS really helps her get down. Oh, interesting. And, you know, she likes to say it's, it's cause it's not moving. I'm moving like it's hard to focus on me because I'm zipping back and forth around the gates and and, it's the, and the die is like oh that's just there and she can see it on the white snow the dark blue and 
for some reason the Canadians are really good at dye. Like we call it Canadian Royal Blue, and they put the dye down. <laughs> it's like super dark. And I mean, I can't pops. like when I when he says I can see it. It's not like I can see the whole run, but I I can pick that out more than I can pick Rob Gates or anything out because it's there's so much of it in a speed course. You know, like I can see and it doesn't move. Like the gates are too small, and are in different places, but the dye is just a consistent dark blue and you've you've been up on mount hood when the when the cloud comes across and all of a sudden you don't know if you're moving or stopped and and just that that's the feeling she's getting that vertigo kind of sensation all the time but the dye is something to focus on and or something with the contrast that gives her a little grounding (laughs) right right it anchors you which is which is great how much does your experience help you i mean it's been a long time right since 2008 that you've been skiing together it helps greatly. Like I, it's, it's helps and can also hurt you. You know, <laughs> I mean, there's two sides to that story. The experience helps me because I know I can get through so many races and so many runs and we've been through all of this and we've changed our communication, but the experience can also hurt you because you know, all the fears that can come up and all the anxiety and the accidents and the, you know, like, so it, it's good and bad. You no longer when, have the beginner's mind. Yeah. So when we were going into 2010, <laughs> we had no clue what we were doing. I mean, we, we were ski racing and we were training for it, but like, we didn't know what to expect and we didn't have any pressures or anything like that. So it was like winning two bronze medals in 2010. I was like, wow we did that. <laughs> like, but now it's, you know, you have the pressures and the experience that you know what to expect. And so it can hurt you a little bit too, in my mind. And, and I'd imagine you hear a bit in Rob's voice where he's like, you're okay. And you're like, that's not the you're okay. Yes. Really okay. You're okay? <laughs> yes. I mean, totally like, oh my gosh, he can't, he like, even if he says something in a different way. It cracks me up. I'm like, what do you mean? There's something wrong. What is going on? Like in the middle of our run, I'm like, no, 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 no. What is going on? <laughs> Just the way he says when, or something. When it's busy out on the mountain and we're getting ready to take off down a public run, you know, it's like, uh, go. You know, yeah. I'm trying to time it between waves of people coming by. <laughs> go. And she's like, nope. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Don't start over. Okay. <laughs> And that, that goes both ways. I mean, I, I've gotten feedback from her on the headsets and it's like, you know, sometimes she'll say go and sometimes she'll be like, go! And it's like, okay, I gotta oh, go. Shit, I'm <laughs> I'm sorry, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, we, we've learned how, I mean, I can even tell by his breathing when he's excited. I can tell by his breathing when he's like, oh my God, I'm talking way too much. I can tell by, you know, by his breathing where he's like, oh, that turn wasn't so good. I mean, like I can tell the way, the tone. I mean, it's pretty intense how much I can read him without even telling me how he's feeling or how he's doing. It's pretty amazing, actually. You know what else is crazy with, with visually impaired skiing is, and it's, you know, when, when we first got on the team and, and Ray, you know, Ray Watkins was the head coach then and, and he came from a guiding background and was really did a lot to help us. Um, but he was always like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta paint a picture as a guide. You gotta, you know, the body position has to be perfect. And, and you gotta really illustrate all that. I'm like, she can't see that. No. But then you go to a world cup and you watch guides and they're visually impaired athletes and they all ski alike. Like it's, it's contagious. Like if the guide skis one way, the athlete kind of picks up on that. And if, if the guide's lazy and then saying a slalom, that inside hand's always dropping, all of a sudden the visually impaired athlete's doing the same thing. So it's, there's more of a connection than just through the vision. Like it's something about the whole experience of that teammate team bonding and going down the course that everything becomes one and you kind of mimic each other. And I, I mean, I can, I can ski like, like Danielle and she can ski like me and we're the same. <laughs> Which, which is really hard though. Cause I mean, a guide is, is a difficult job. I mean, one, you have the responsibility for your athlete to ski fast. You have your responsibility for the athlete to be safe. You have the responsibility. Yeah, to, to, close. What's yeah, that? Behind you sometimes. Going, yeah. Going he has to fast. look behind him and make sure we're close. So our timing's right. 
Well, that's that's where I was getting is that, yeah. that, yeah, you have to make the turn, but then you have to be able to look back and make sure that she is okay so that you're not falling. I mean, the worst, the worst, I mean, it's got to be the worst part for a guide if you fall <laughs> and knock and knock, you know, and knock Danielle out of the out of the race. But then also, you know, tactics and then what you're talking about skiing well and creating an image for her to follow. How long did it take you? You came from a racing background, Rob. How long did it take you, or is it still taking you yeah, that long. to be able to feel comfortable yeah. in that position? I, I mean, you get better at it, and you know, it's it's a lot of trial and error. We, you know, there's no there's no guidebook on how to guide, right. and and the first thing we tell young VI teams is like, hey, you know, what what we do may or may not work for you guys, so you guys got to figure it out on your own and you know, figure out what, what the athlete needs and what works for you. And, um, but I'll tell you, like, you know, coming from a ski racing background and then being an able body coach for a while. And it's like, I was getting kind of fried on that just the whole day in and day out and stepping into this guide role. It was like a whole new twist on something I've been doing for a long time that I love that kind of breathed fresh air into the whole thing. And, you know, it was, it was another challenge. And the, the, so the first World Cup we ever went to um, in Whistler before the year before the games, like we're in the slalom and I'm fired up. Like, here we go. And then I fire out of the gate and I'm and I hear this wait. I'm like, oh, yeah. And it, it's a team sport. Like, it's not just me. <laughs> and that, that was the hardest part. Like, you, you've got to be willing to like. I, I think I heard a story about like, I think Mike Krzyzewski says like, you got to give up something on your end for the good of the team. Right. He's talking basketball. So if you're a great shooter, but you got to be willing to pass. And it's the same thing with this guide, guide athlete relationship. Like you have to be willing to do what you do to get you both. We'll do what you have to do to get both of you down the, the hill as quickly as you can. And yeah, as safely as you can. And, and I'll tell you, the biggest challenge is skiing out with the public on a busy day. Oh God. I'd imagine everybody's bombing all over the place. You know, race hills, that's a safe environment. Like it's just us, you know, <laughs> and we got it to ourselves and we know somebody's not going to pop out of the trees and cut us off. Or, you know, when I'm wearing, the, when I'm wearing the guide bib, people sometimes think I work for the ski area and they're like, Hey, you know, how do I get to the ski school? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? You know, and they probably file a comment like the, the guide was very rude you know <laughs> like well sorry i'm not here for you but you know we've had people actually get between us hey there's a guy let's follow him you know? <laughs> and they just cut her off it's like that happens so, a lot so that's the scariest thing and then it's you know way more variables when the public's involved and that's you know one of the reasons daniel likes to race it's like that know. is interesting now you talked about ray watkins danielle i i remember ray saying when he was in lohammer with brian santos that he basically said to Santos, I'm going to go, you keep up. Yeah, <laughs> nice. that sounds I like, like Ray. <laughs> totally what, what happens if Rob says that to you? Yeah, they, they had mean, a different relationship, I guess. He, I he mean, didn't have to go home. Yeah. They didn't have to go home together. I mean, Rob does say like, catch me. I'm not waiting for you. Like, we'll do that. It's pretty fun. We have a good time. Like, but in all fairness like he can see and I can't so if he does that that's really rude and he's just leaving me at a disadvantage but when we get in places like when we're powder skiing or we get in places where it's like open and free like he'll let me ski in front of him and tell me when things are coming up and you know give me that freedom and we have a good time we have a good time but not necessarily in the race course where he's where he's trying to get you to stretch a little bit and say I'm going. No, he'll tell me to chase me and he needs to do that. And that, you know, that race approach with Brian might have worked great for Brian's personality. Um, but you know, we always say like when when things get really tough, you know, our relationship, you know, she knows I've got her yeah. her getting down the hill safely is priority one. And and you know, having that that confidence in me can go a long way when it gets to be some gnarly conditions where some of these guide athletes that are, you know, paired up by their national federations or that kind of thing and aren't that close. Um, you know, there, we always think there's probably some doubt in the VI's mind when things 
just get get tough about how safe they actually are. So checkbox for us, advantage us in those situations. We hope. We think we, we put that in our own minds at least. We like to put it in their minds too. You know, <laughs> he doesn't give a crap about you. No, we don't. <laughs> oh my gosh. He gets paid either awful. way. <laughs> That's awful. This leads to the psychological part too, right? Because there there is a lot. I mean, Danielle, you're overcoming the, the visually impaired, which is interesting because I mean you call yourself blind. The category yeah. is visually impaired. Yeah. And, and that's, are the, is that okay? One versus the other, do you care? I don't care. I don't care either way. Like I like to call myself a blind girl. I went from being so embarrassed all through growing up because I couldn't see and I wore thick glasses and was bullied and all of that. Like I went from trying to hide it to now being like, hey guys, I'm a blind girl and this is who I am. And like, accept me or you don't because I like who I am, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I kind of name tag myself. There you go. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. This is, this is bringing it all full circle to the name tags chat podcast. We appreciate it. Yes. You liked that, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. But you don't necessarily see it as a limitation, which is, which no. is the, the idea of the podcast. I mean, you're out there skiing, but you have you, so you have the, the blind part of it. Then you have the MS, which is the unpredictable part of it that you yeah. don't, really know where you're going to go and then you had the broken leg which has brought ptsd panic attacks yep. these kinds of things how do you talking approach... about that anxiety <laughs> anxiety am i giving you anxiety already yes. i'm sorry no i'm okay <laughs> but, but it does make my heart like skip a little bit you know like oh, yeah that, that's some hard stuff stuff that is that is the obstacle for every athlete, right? I mean, the, the, the mental side of it to be able to perform the way that you can perform and sort of get, the, get your mind and your fear and your anxiety out of the way, that's the objective. But for you, there, there are a few real things that are kind of in that way. How have you approached sort of the mental aspect and, and being able to perform. Yeah, so um, our first races coming back from my third surgery, um, going back to Canada where I broke my leg and not the exact same spot, but just being in Canada gave me a little bit of anxiety that I didn't even realize I had. Like I was going into it like, okay, I'm ready. We got this. And I went out to ski the day before. I mean, I had skied, I had skied one day, but, and then the next day I'm like, I just went into, we were supposed to ski race the next day. And I went into full <laughs> panic attack, PTSD, anxiety. I could not ski. I could not turn. I could not ski. My son was there. My Rob was there. I'm like, I can't do this. It's like, I, I, I totally freaked out. And at that point I knew I can work through it. Like I tried, I went back out there, Rob made me go back out and I just couldn't work through it. I had to step back and I had to like be by myself. I asked Rob to go away. Like I needed to meditate. I needed to remember just be in my own mind and let go of all of these things. And it was hard. And I told him, I'm not racing tomorrow. I'm not going to race. I'm not even going to put myself through that because I am not mentally ready. I mean, the feeling that I had, I literally was crippled. Like I, my chest hurt. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't ski. And I mean, that feeling was awful. So I was like, I just need to go back out and ski and train and slowly worked it back. And by the end of that series, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go into the starting gate. And it was for a slalom, which I knew was, it's not my best event. And I knew it's a little bit slower for me. And I just went out and did my best for the day. And then I was like, okay, I just had to start back up and do little steps to just build that confidence back up. And, um, we just this past weekend went to Sun Valley and I was a little nervous because it was the first time to be back in gates speed gates before um since our crash and race mode um and i just kept my coat on you know like i do little things that will just make me think like okay i'm getting back into it and so i mean 
having a strong mental mind is constant work. Like I have to, I've had sports psychology and that has helped me so much, but I also have to go back to my routine where it's meditation, a cup of coffee, reminding myself self talk, like being good to myself and reminding myself like, Hey, you're allowed to have these moments. You're allowed to step back and be like, I'm not ready right now. I've been going nonstop through MS, through all these situations and just kind of going head first and beating my head against the wall, like no matter what and getting through it. But this one, I was like, I got to step back. <laughs> like I am not ready. <laughs> it was, it was pretty intense. Like, Which it's- is pretty amazing. Yeah. that you were able to take that step back because this is a Paralympic year. It is. You are, you know, you, you, you said you're not on the team right now, but trying to get on the team for Beijing. Yes. So with that clock ticking the whole time makes it, makes it remarkable that you were able to say, no, the healthy part is to take the step back to meditate. I'm not sure how meditation and, and coffee work together, but <laughs> coffee is like my moment. Like every morning I have my cup of coffee and I just want to be in my own space. Like it is like part of my meditation. I know that doesn't <laughs> seem right, but yes, it is. And it's like another thing about me is like listening to a song or, you know, like I, I go through these things and then I have ways of working out and stretching. Like I just start going through my process. And I, I feel like going into Beijing, like I'm either going to make it or I'm not, but I'm going to be my strongest if I do. And that was not going to help me in my mind, like going into those races with the feelings I had at that moment, I, 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 I it wasn't worth it. Like there's no way <laughs> I'm it not going to do that to myself. And that's where the experience comes in, you know? <laughs> And that's where I was like, you know what? I pushed myself down a hill because I was not feeling good with my MS. My right leg wasn't working. My brain wasn't talking to the right side. I've done all these things that because I'm such a competitor that I've just put myself out there knowing it wasn't going to be pretty, but it was the best I could do for the day. But this situation, I was like, no, I'm out. Like, no. And that wasn't the first time you've done that. I mean, there's there's no. been days where we've been in Europe and she wakes up and she's like, I I can't go yep. today. Like I'm not feeling good, like MS I, or whatever. Like I can't nope. and I'm just like, okay. I just can't do it. Like, yeah, but this <laughs> that one was more like the MS part I get. This one was like more of my mental state. Like it was really messed up. And it wasn't like I was panicked. It was it was like something was holding me back and I just had this weight on my chest and in my head. And I was embarrassed because my son was there and I'm like, I can't ski. Like I, I have to work through this on my own. It was intense. Is there, I mean, it sounds like there's a bit of a routine that helps you. I mean, with the meditation, with the coffee, you said the music is, is there anything in particular that you listen to? beforehand that kind of gets you in that mindset yeah I have certain songs of certain like depends on what mood I'm in like rise up which it was my first song that I danced to on dancing with the stars rise up by Andre Day I've always listened to that song that song has always brought me out um uh, another one you say I mean there's so many it just depends on what I'm needing but music motivates me it paints me a picture in my mind like it helps me get going if like I want to listen to Michael Fronte and I want to get the psalm grooves on or whatever it may be. Um, but music does paint me a picture and kind of helps me set the tone that I need in my mind. Which is so important. And does that help you in the start when you think, okay, it's painted the picture. Now, in some ways, it's kind of like you're living that song or at least because skiing is such a rhythmic sport isn't it where it's like okay and when it doesn't go well it often is is about the lack of rhythm that you just couldn't find the rhythm of the course which for you guys must be even more challenging because it's not just one of you trying to find the rhythm together we dance together baby (laughs) (laughs) it is yeah and i can only imagine and 
And so looking at, because part of this is, is you've dealt with it. And, and you also have to think about it as like, am I getting stronger? Like having dealt with this, I've seen the PTSD and, and, and having faith in yourself to say, you know, I've, I, I've, I've addressed that and I sort of have a strategy. Is that, is that how you feel coming out of it? Yeah, I mean, it, the really great feeling coming out of it is trusting myself. Like, I mean, I trust myself to make the right decision. And at first, you know, if you have to step away from something big, that's, you get to, I mean, years past, I got disappointed in myself because my MS flared up and I couldn't ski that day, right? Like Rob was talking about, like, I can't do it today. And I'd be so down on myself and where this situation happened and, you know, with the PTSD and the anxiety and all of the things just piling up. And I actually was proud of myself. I, I trusted myself. I knew I needed to go through my emotions. I need to go through my own progression. My dog's under here sneaking. Um, and I, I, I was proud of myself. Like, it wasn't disappointing myself for the first time. Like I did what I needed to do to take care of me, no matter what. It is interesting. So, I mean, that's, that's a profound revelation in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. you, took, you took a step back, you were proud of yourself. You said that Brockton was there yeah. at, at the event. He's what, 14 now? Right. Yep. And an athlete. How much, what do you teach him from what you've learned? I hope he sees, like, I mean, I, I always try to teach him never give up. Don't start something you can't finish, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the wonderful parent things, but believing in himself and feeling that confidence in himself is the most important thing. Like, and him growing up in a disabled world, you know, around disabled athletes where these athletes are incredible athletes overcoming so many unbelievable things and how they became into a wheelchair or how they became disabled or they were born with their disability. I think that in itself has been a, such an incredible lesson for him. Like when through Brockton growing up, we forgot to teach him about the Olympics. So he thought the Paralympics were the Olympics and he didn't understand when Ted Ligety was skiing really, 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 really well in the 2014 games. He was like, what's wrong with him? What's yeah, his disability? Dad, what's, what's his disability? <laughs> he, goes, he goes, you know, Ted Ligety, I'm like, yeah, I've seen him in the gym a few times. You know, we kind of know each other by face and you know, what's his problem? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, he's not missing a leg like i'm like no there's actually ski racing beyond the barrel yeah so i mean oh and you know he was young so <laughs> he's he's been taught like a different way of life like he doesn't see people through the way they look in a chair whatever it may be he sees through um who they are so how about the way that he sees himself as an athlete I hope that, I mean, I think he has confidence. I actually, I know he has confidence now, but it took time. Like he doubted himself through time. Like he, he definitely, um, politics got in the way and felt like he was not doing his best. But I think for Brockton, like he's never, he wasn't always the best one, but he's the one that never gave up and the one that worked that much harder and the one that didn't quit. Like that's Rockton. He's just like his mom. And now he's, he's very good and like confident. And now he like just coming out this year, like he, he knows he goes out there and he gives it his best and he, he's good. Like he's, he's a good egg. I would imagine that that's exactly what you want to celebrate too, is that yeah. he doesn't, that he doesn't give up and just keeps going. Talking yeah. about not giving up and continuing to go how what is the qualifying what does it look like going toward Beijing will we see uh, you there will we not what do you think I hope so like we are in our own progression and I think if we're going to be competitive we'll be there right. we're gonna have to stay tuned you will have to stay tuned. So you're not giving me much of an answer there. And you've chosen- I have never been that way coming into every games. Um, I just feel like 
They announce the team when they announce it. Anything can happen between now and then. I could break my leg or, you know, like anything can happen. So we just all have to wait and see who's named to the team. I don't mean to break could, my leg. Could get a pandemic. Who knows? Oh, sheesh. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a crazy year. That is it is. Sure. And that in itself, like, you know, right now, World Championships is going on. There's been World Cups all over and making the choice not to travel and going to all those events was because of the pandemic and because of my health. Like I, I do have multiple sclerosis, so I'm high risk. So we chose like we one need more training because of the past few years and two. We don't want to be out there traveling, getting sick, just chasing races and not, and just running myself down. Instead, let's build ourselves working towards the games and race where we can race more locally and stay safe. Which could be a really good tactic. It really you know, could I, be. It sounds really healthy. Sounds like a good tactic. It puts uh, a smile know. on my face. I'm home and, here in Park City, loving being around everybody and getting some damn good training in. And the, the last games, like we didn't medal, but we skied in every event with the exception of the slalom, which was a different story. But that was in, in four events, we had our best results of the season. And, that's, and we walked away like, yeah, and that's all you can do. We did right? awesome. Like you can't control where you finish. You just go there and try to put out your best product. And yeah, and we did that. And, and we felt good about it. Like we walked away from those games, even though we didn't medal, probably feeling one of our best like wow like we put down some good solid runs like that was good got beat <laughs> sometimes you just get beat right Some, yeah i mean everybody can't win but that that year we were it was kind of you know we were on a pretty heavy world cup schedule so it was kind of you know race race to train was kind of the way we we're going now and now it's going to be training to race and we'll, we'll get there and be be ready to go so hopefully well training to race being healthy being happy. You've yeah. also had a, had a bunch of support, yeah. you know, from like Toyota and people like that. What oh, does sure. that mean at, for you as an athlete, for you as a Paralympian? Well, you know, being a Paralympian, you probably never were highly supported. I mean, just maybe through ski tam and stuff like that, but it wasn't like it is today. Like when we went into the 2010 games, we had no sponsorships. We went into the 2014 games. Wait, did we have a sponsor in 2010? TD Ameritrade. We had one sponsor, right? Mm, I can't no, remember. not then. No, so it's 2014, two sponsors, and then 2018, like 10. I mean, like, it's just a growing, it's evolving every time. But having the support, like, from Team Toyota, they've been amazing. They have, like, they knew I had MS. They knew I was not going to be a part of the team because of, they how they structured the rules but um they know I broke my leg like and they didn't care they're going to support me they got my back they believe in me and having that support like we should have that from our team to our NGB like we should have that kind of support like we believe in you we got your back but team USA I mean team Toyota like they continue to step up and show people like USOPC and other sponsors, how you should treat an athlete and how you should support an athlete. And they've been now more like a family than a sponsorship. And how much stronger does that make you feel going into the games? A hundred percent stronger, like unbelievably, like having people to support you, your community, your sponsors, it's unbelievable. Well, and you know, you know, from doing this, it's, it's not a cheap sport to begin with. So, you know, you're, you're putting a lot out there to, to get where you want to go and having some dollars behind that to help you out goes a long way as far as being and able to train. Think and, of it times two in our case, like yeah. it's one Expenses. for you, two for us. And it's like, Everybody oh, yeah. it costs twice as much. Yeah. So they've taken care. They made sure we get, you know, financially are able to get the training we need without being on the team support us hundred percent without being on the team, like that's not, you know, they want to show that they support their athletes and believe in them no matter what happens. Like we all have ups and downs and they supported us all the way through the roller coaster. And it means a lot. It makes me a little emotional. 
I bet it does. And it's not just yeah. you, right? This summer, they they sponsored every Paralympian that made the team, right? Yes. And they're doing it for the winter too. They're incredible. Like they're paving the way. I feel like they are showing other companies like how it should be done. It should be an equal opportunity. And they're they're making that statement. And, and even, even before this year, you know, they when we first hooked up with them three, four years ago you know, before, I guess, before Korea, they, they sponsored an equal number of Olympians and Paralympians. And where a lot of companies are like, they'll sponsor four or five Olympians and like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll do one Paralympian, just throw that in. And, and yeah. that came from the top. That came from, from number one at Toyota. He said, Hey, we're going to do the same thing on this side as we do on this side. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome to have that kind of backing. And it's, it's, I mean, it's great for the whole Paralympic movement and, you know, I, I get why they do it too. It's like, you know, when we, we first realized this, when we got that sheet to Vancouver, we're riding around the buses and we're like, Oh, you know, and the bus drivers are like, yeah, yeah. The Olympics was cool, but you know, it's a lot of drama with those guys. And you know, you guys are way more fun, you know? <laughs> and, and then, you know, when you get into the, the sponsorships and, you know, telling the stories of the athletes, I mean, there isn't a Paralympian in the field that doesn't have a story that'll get somebody choked up, you know, of what they've had to come overcome. And it's not always that way with, with the, elite olympic athletes and some of them yeah but not always <laughs> so it's, it's a good it's a good business model to be tied in with with the paralympic side because it's they're good stories and they're good people and good athletes <laughs> right good entertainment and, yeah. and what's also really nice from the outside to see is that you as paralympians are promoting your sport you're doing your best to get people to tune in to get people to see to get people to see what you see, the work that you've put in, the turn that you've made, you know, those kinds of things. And to have somebody with, you know, with, with the greater megaphone drawing that same, drawing a greater attention right. to you, to the other Paralympians, to the games, and to really, as you said, Rob, to, to the people and to the stories, which are, which are what we see. In the games, which are, you know, I mean, we see that we go, okay, I want to be like her. I mean, yes, that's, that's right. as a little kid, that's what you want to think in the, in the, exactly. in the, you know, you're sitting on your couch going, yeah, I want to, I want to be like Danielle. I want to be like, you know, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, that's, that's the greatest thing that you can, that can come out of the games. And Absolutely. I know that you guys have a hockey game to go to <laughs> and, and I need to get you, I need to get you out soon. But so did uh, I do good enough for it? Am I allowed to go? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll I have to think about that. No, I think I think like you brought you brought a lot of energy here. This is this is definitely true. But uh, what? Just one one question before you get out. What makes this a, a successful season for you? What makes this a successful season? Well, twenty twenty two. Well, I mean, we have all been through so much with the pandemic and everything that's going on in this world. And I think what makes this season more successful is I have a different mindset of how much better we all are together. Like I've always known that because I'm so big hearted and love everybody in the world. But the when we were put into this pandemic, I think people stepped back and realized that life is a lot more important and things we've been too busy to see things around us. And I think that being present in my life is teaching me to be so much more present in my skiing. And that has returned, like also helped me like, okay, I'm this race is, I'm not going to race this day because it's not good for me. And so being present in my own body and in my own self it's like I've learned how to I don't know how to word it I it's some kind of energy where I'm feeling so present and knowing what I need and where I need to be um no matter what happens with Beijing 2022 is a great year because I'm mentally and more mentally strong than I think I ever have been. And I thought I was before. I, I am so mentally strong and so happy to be with amazing support and community and sponsors and all of that. It's just like all coming together as this big, beautiful package. 
I don't, does it, that make sense? <laughs> no, that was, that was perfect. I, I think, you know, before that, I wasn't sure if you'd done well enough to leave early, but yeah. I think that, that really clinched it. That, <laughs> that got you. I, I just, I mean, I don't know how to put it all into words because I feel it in my heart and feel it in my body and my soul. Like I'm going out and I'm skiing with more presence and more excitement and like, like kind of like when I was brand new in the beginning, you know what I mean? And you know me from back then, like I was so excited and just ready to learn. And I'm, I feel like I'm born again. I don't know. <laughs> it's amazing. It's it. So I think the pandemic did make me stop in a broken leg and everything else made me stop and sit back and realize like ski racing is amazing and ski racing is great, but it's ski racing. You know what I mean? We have to think about all the tools that we've learned from the sport and all the tools that we were given in life and have that push forward. What makes for a successful season for you, Rob? I think it's, you know, if we, if we go to Beijing or not, I mean, if we feel like we put our best ski in out there, then that's all you can do. And that's, you got to always be happy with that. Just <laughs> kidding <laughs> i think that's a good answer too that it really is i mean because you are in the sport of ski racing right and so, so to go out there and get your best get your best skiing i mean you mentioned in pyeongchang that you had your best results but didn't didn't medal and 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 it's not, it's so easy to make this an expectation driven sport and control the results right the process <laughs> is amazing like we got to learn to enjoy the journey and enjoy the process. Because if you look back, that probably was a more exciting part than any of it was the process and the journey, right? It's the and thing it's you're going fun. to remember. And sometimes, yeah. sometimes the things that were the most sort of drudgery during when you were doing, you look back and go, ah, oh, like that's, the, that's the thing that I miss. And it's like, really, you don't miss the glamor. You don't miss like the top step of the podium. It's like, no, no, I miss the work. It went into the transformation. Yes. So yeah, might well be Canada that that is the thing that you look back on this year and go, that was the best part of my year. It probably it <laughs> might have been, and it was awful, but it was transforming for sure. And we did Cornish game hands for Thanksgiving up there. We sure did. Couldn't find a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is the nature of sport, right? You've yep. got to yep. you gotta adapt. You gotta adapt <laughs> and you gotta move on. Exactly. Well, thank you both for joining us. Best of luck. It sounds like it's successful all the way along anyway, but thank you for joining us and telling us about your process and in, in approaching Beijing. And thanks for always having our back too. Hey, <laughs> happy to be here. This is awesome. Happy to have you guys on. Ha thank you to all of you for joining us. The greatest gift you can give us is to like us, to tell your friends, to tune in that we will have another great story next week. So it will be a, a podcast eventually. It will be on YouTube. It'll be on Spotify. It'll be on Apple. All the places you find your podcast, please, the greatest, you know, if you, if you can follow us, if you can like us, that is the greatest thing that you can do for us. So we will see you next week. And thank you, Daniel and Rob, and good luck. Have a great season. Mm -hmm.